for just a second. So I was driving by my grandmother's house in downtown Bremerton. That's where I was raised um, in the project housing over there. And some of you might, might know where that is. And my grandmother was just like a half mile away. And she's, been, of course, been um, with Jesus for like a lot of years now. Um, but we drove by her house and it was just kind of like a little bit of an emotional moment uh, for me. Because I remember the house. So it's still standing. It's just like a little shack. But honestly, it was probably like, you know, I think I'm generous if I had said 400 square feet. It's probably more like 300 square feet. I mean, literally in the bathroom, you, you couldn't use a bathroom without also using the sink at the same time. Um, it was that type of a thing, you know. But I remember, um, especially events like Christmas, in my entire family, like crowding in a grandma's house. And I got, you know, I got, I got f uh, four siblings, my aunts and my uncles. I don't know. There must have been 30 of us or 40 of us crammed into this little house. Like my brother-in-law said this past week, you didn't have a, there wasn't enough room to change your mind in that house, you know, and that, that is true. It, it was that small, but here's the deal. We were a family and families do life together, don't they? And I was just kind of <coughs> thinking about that again. Then I, then I was thinking about us, you, you and me and our online campus and, you know, who, all of you who make up this family, and the call for us to, to do this thing of we call life together, right? So in my biological family, like, we're all different. I'm the tallest one in, in my family. My sister, you know, she comes up to, like, here, you know. Um, so she might be one inch taller, but not much, you know. And, and then in, a, in our family, just like in your families, right, we got different gifts and talents. And, you're, you know, you're different than if you have a brother or sister and, and all that. And just like that, in this family, this faith community called Gateway, just like every faith community, um, God brings his family together and he gifts you, right, with certain talents and abilities and so on. And then as we live this thing out together as a family, like we're stronger for it. We're supporting one another in this thing called life. And I say that because I, I'm just so thankful for you. And I'm so thankful for what you're doing um, to move the cause of Jesus forward and focusing it on him. And then, and then encouraging one another and exhorting one another. I don't care if you've been part of this community for like this is your first Sunday here. Or you've been here for a long time. Jesus brings us all together. And I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for that. Within this community, we have different levels of biblical knowledge. Like there are some um, that are really, uh, could be considered scholars, I think. And there are people that I'll go to and I'll ask and I'll pro probe with. And then there's some of us, like we're brand new to the Bible and, and the, our, our journey is young and we're discovering things all the time. And, and really, I don't know that, that um, you ever get to the point where you're not discovering something new in the Bible. At least that's, from, that's my experience, right? Even this morning, I was reading in Second Chronicles chapter 13, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. I'm not going to tell you what it was um, sometime, but I was just taken back, and it really kind of led me in there, just reflecting again on this, what I thought was, for me, just this truth that, 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 that was lifting off of the scriptures. So um, biblical knowledge, like we run at, at different, different levels, but what is our goal? What's our goal as a community as we gather here together? Because quite honestly, some of you will come, you go like, I really didn't learn much more of the Bible 
than what I learned when I, when I came in. And I, I get that. That is true. But is that why we're here? Or do we gather to do life together and, <coughs> excuse me, and to encourage, encourage one another? So when I teach, I attempt to bring biblical principle biblical principles, biblical application to daily life. My goal for you each week, online and in person here, is the same goal that I approach the scriptures every day, and it's this, how does this change my life? How will this change my life today? Um, is, it, is, it, is it, someone said it well, I think, is, it, is the goal for you to be in the Bible more, for me to be in the Bible more, or for more of the Bible to be in me? And that's, that's my goal, like, how can I get more of the Bible, more of God's word in me? Because there's a truth, and I'm going to show it to you, and it's this, that behavior is a result of a worldview. So we just talked about worldview. So depending on what your worldview is, and we talk about biblical worldview, behavior is a result of a worldview. So when we look at the Bible, we can go like, okay, let's apply the Bible this way, because I believe the Bible instructs me in how to live. That impacts our behavior it is never the other way around. Your biblical worldview will impact what you do and how you do it, your mind, your, your, your thinking. So the question is, are, are we committed to applying God's word to our, to our life, or do we just kind of set it aside? So let's talk about instruction manuals for just a moment, right? Okay, so every guy here will have to admit, I think, you, you don't usually start with the instruction manual. There might be one or two of you out there. Maybe. But how many guys, mostly, <clears throat> we don't start with the instruction manual, do we? Yeah. Especially, like, if you're putting together Ikea furniture, it's like, you better not forget the instruction manual because you will be doing it all over again. I know this from experience, okay? So, um, but we usually kind of like set that thing aside, and then we just attempt it on our own. Yes? Okay. God bless you. No, we have a perfect one here. So, no, I'm really glad. Actually, we should all learn from you. <laughs> I should anyway. Yeah, we really shouldn't do that. But sometimes that's how we approach the Bible and living out the, our, this. this we'll we'll kind of go to the Bible when we need it. But do we apply it to our daily life? So as we, as we kind of dive into this brand new series called I, I Am... Here's what we're going to be doing. Asking this question consistently. How does this apply to me today? How, how should this change the way that I live? And I pray that when you go, you'll be asking that question even today. So how, how will this change the way I live today and tomorrow and on, ongoing? That's what we call living from a biblical worldview. So before we kind of dive into our first one from the book of John, let me open up the lens just a little bit on these four first books of the New Testament that we normally call what? Yeah, the Gospels, right? Now, for some of you, you've, you've been a Bible reader for a very, very long time. For others, you know, you go, okay, I think I know the first four books of the Bible. That's okay. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, typically known as, as the Gospels, right? It's where we learn about Jesus and we read about his life and, and so on. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, um, are set into a category called the Synoptic Gospels. And this is why when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you're reading a lot, you go like, didn't I just read that? Well, yes, you did. Synoptic literally means together sight, together sight. Someone described it this way. If, 
if like God forbid you're on the way home and you you observe an auto accident and then four people give their stories they're going to change a little bit right so there's going to be a little bit of nuance here depending on how how you view it and so on so you see a lot of that I think more important is this what was the focus of the gospel writers so Matthew really writes towards a Jewish audience so he has that in mind when he's writing right Mark more towards a Roman audience Luke more towards the Gentile and I love and are going through the, the the book of Luke more to a Gentile audience and John John cites his purpose for writing and this is what he says in John chapter 20 verse 31 but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name here's the deal here's what John is driving right life is found in Jesus period you don't have to add to that right life is found in Jesus if you want to experience life it's in Jesus so what do you think is the most probably probably the most well-known I think um, verse in John that people who commit to memory John yeah, 316. Can we say it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting, everybody say it, life. Everlasting life. So John is seeking to strengthen second generation believers and to correct um, false teaching that was beginning to circulate. And so he emphasized that Jesus Christ as is the Son of God, fully God and fully man. Now, when we talk about false teaching that is beginning to circulate, like what is true then is also true now, yes? Yes. So we see false teaching, false systems of thought that are circulating out there. And for Bible-believing Christians who believe in the biblical worldview, we have to come back and ask this question, what does the Bible say? So over the next number of weeks, we're going to be diving into um, the I am statements of, of Jesus from the book of, book of John. And these are critically important because what was Jesus saying to you and to me when he made these declarations or these proclamations? That's our question that we're going to keep asking. What's he saying to you? What's he saying to me? And how will this change the way I live today? Okay, here's a list of them. We're going to start off with number one today, then work through them throughout the week. So number one, I am the bread of life. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Number two, I am the light of the world. Number three, I am the door of the sheep. So like, what is Jesus saying there? We're going to talk about that. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Yes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then I am the true vine. So our question is, how should this change my life today? Each of these I am declarations help us understand the ministry of Jesus in the world. They also, and this is critically important, they also link Jesus to the Old Testament revelation of God. You remember that in Exodus chapter 3 verse 14, God said to Moses, what, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So I am is unquestionably understood 
as the name of God. And so whenever Jesus made an I am statement, he was identifying himself as God. Let me say it. God and Jesus are one. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, are one. Now, when Jesus declared this, he made a lot of people upset. Yeah, he made a lot of people mad. Um, in John chapter 10, verse 31, just listen to some of the religious leaders, right? Um, uh, following Jesus' proclamation of, I am a good shepherd, okay. The Jews picked up the stones against, uh, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you saying, are, are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it's not for the good work we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. So that was the problem for them. Now, the stoning didn't happen. I don't need to tell you that, right? It was like, because like, he's God. And so that's not going to work out real well for you. You know, you can try and stone God. So, and of course, of course it didn't. So let's dive into the first I am statement. You ready? John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now remember, we're asking this question, so how is this going to change my life or how I live? When Jesus makes his declaration, he says, I am the bread of life. Now he makes this proclamation, this declaration, against a certain, certain backdrop. And so he has their attention. People are being fed. And people are searching for food. We're going to see that in just a moment. A large crowd had gathered because they saw sick people being, being healed. And Jesus sees an opportunity here to teach them. So the Passover was at hand. So this, this large crowd gathers. And in John chapter 6, Jesus asks Philip a question. He says this, like, when these people get, where are we going to buy bread so these people may eat? Now, I just want, you got to get into the setting here. Um, put yourself in, in the moment. How many have ever been in a situation where you think maybe the leader or the small group leader or someone in your home was going to ask you, say, to pray? And, you, like, you don't want to be selected. So what do you do? You just say, like, you don't make eye contact. You just, like, you know, you kind of do this or you kind of scratch your head. Because you don't want to look because, like, you don't want to be the one picked, right? So I think, I think like, that's like going on here because what we do sometimes is we take the words of Jesus and we, we add kind of a God inflection to them. You know, like maybe Jesus said, well, where, where are we to buy bread so these people may eat or some, something like that, you know. And I, I don't think it worked that way. So I, I just got this thing that like Jesus, because he's, he's looking and the disciples are like, you know, don't ask me, don't ask me looking around. Like, and I think he's kind of snickering a little bit. Like, where do you think we're going to buy bread for all of these people, right? And he selects Philip. And, 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 and honestly, I think Jesus, maybe it was like, whoa, Philip, whoa, look at all these people. Like, where are we going to find enough, enough bread? And here's the deal. Like, if you read the scripture, Jesus knew what he was doing. Gail. Really? Yeah, to test Philip, right? Right? Um, he knew. Philip responded like, like 200 denarii, you know, like 
worth of bread wouldn't even be enough. Now, if you had the NIV version, right, it says something like this. Like, it, 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 it would take more like than half year's wage to buy enough bread for all these people. So now, this is the backdrop of which Jesus is going to, like, introduce his first declaration. Like, it would take a half year's of salary to provide enough, enough bread. But thank God for Andrew, right, who chimes in. And he said, like, there's a little boy here, five loaves, two fishes, right? And we know that Jesus took that, performed a miracle, fed everybody, and there were 12 doggy bags left over, right, uh, baskets or whatever they were, uh, of, of food. So something happens, right? So the next day the crowd goes like, okay, this worked out pretty well. So we were hungry and there was no food. So what happens? The crowd starts looking for Jesus. What do you think they were looking for? Everybody say food. Because that's what they were looking for. They, they went to seek out Jesus. He wasn't there. And they found him. And they asked this question. Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus gets right to the point. Now here, have you ever experienced this? Like, like somebody looks right into your eyes. It's maybe, it's maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a close friend, and they know what you're thinking. Have you had that feeling before? And so you kind of turn away. I, that's why I, I, I kind of jokingly, kind of not jokingly, like say, like, you know, Mario, he leads our counseling department, right? Like, never look into Mario's eyes. Never. Because he looks into your soul, man. He gets you all figured out, you know, and stuff like that. So don't always keep your eyes down or keep your eyes look at you. Know, don't look into his eyes. So, like, that's what's going on here, right? And then Jesus responds to this crowd, and here's what he says. John 6, 26, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. In other words, the only reason you're following me is because I filled your stomach. So it causes me to kind of draw back just a little bit. You're like, why am I following Jesus? And I think really within Jesus' response, I think he poses that question to you and to me. Like, why are you following me? Is it because I filled your stomach one time? Is it because like you cried out, why are you following me? And I, I think that's a question right in front of each and every, every, every one of us. Why do we follow Jesus? Because like there's something we think we can get out of the relationship. Jen and I are animal lovers and I've, I've said this before and like I'm, I'm not opposed to hunting. I mean I'm, I'm very glad that like a lot of you do. And I'm very glad to eat what you kill. I will go get something at the store and buy it, right? But if I had to, like, kill it to eat it, like, I'm out of that game right there, you know. I don't know. It's just, I'm not a wuss. I just don't do that stuff. So anyway, um, I just want to clarify that, right? <laughs> you know, so, um, uh, so we, you know, probably like a lot of you, like, we, we so we feed um, birds, right? And, uh, and you know, the, we have bunnies, Bunny rabbits, not like not like domestic ones. Like they run 
to the yard and hummingbirds, you know, and all this kind of stuff. We enjoy watching them. And the other day, I was watching, and I see this bunny rabbit sitting down. I have a raised beds, and he's sitting at the, at the bottom of my lettuce bed. And I'm watching them, you know, and pretty soon I see this little bunny in my lettuce bed. I had some rocks stacked up beside it, so he conveniently used those as stair steps into the lettuce bed. I'm just watching them, you know. And then I go to inside the house where I can see it from the house, and I'm watching this bunny rabbit. And pretty soon, I don't know how, how they work this thing out, but male or female, Mrs. Bunny or Mr. Bunny, however it goes. But anyway, they're building a nest, so Mr. Bunny um, or Mrs. Bunny comes and jumps, and it got a whole mouthful of grass, right? They've gone out and collected, and then I look, and, and they're all of a sudden, I don't see much of him or her, right? And then I look, and they're building a burrow, or a, uh, they got a hole dug out, and they're packing this hole with grass and stuff, because, you know, they're going to have babies, right? So Jen says, well, I guess we don't have lettuce, <laughs> you know, for the rest of the, that's it, man. I guess the bunnies are going to make up. So that's, that's where we are, right? So, you know, now they ended up like moving their nest. Uh, I don't know what happened there. But anyway, here's what I do know. Um, if I put out bird seed, the birds come and eat, and we like that. But no bird seed, no bird. It's totally transactional. You put bird seed out for me, I will come and eat. If you don't put out bird seed for me, I would just go to your neighbor. Whatever they're thinking. This is transactional. You feed me, I come. You don't, I go. That's what's happening here. Jesus calls them out for the exact same thing. And then he declares himself as the bread of life. Jesus calls them to receive the food that the Son of Man will give you. And do not work for food that spoils and believe in the one whom God has sent from heaven, the bread of life. So let's take a look at John chapter 6, verse 35. Here it is. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus reminded them and corrected them that it was God. Not Moses who gave bread from heaven in the, in the form of manna. In fact, in John chapter 6 with verse number 31, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus is saying this to them. It's a, it's a great reminder. He says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. We just read that, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And then they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers, that's what they're saying, ate manna in the wilderness. As is written, he gave, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Who was it? It was God. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. And they said, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said, 
I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never, ever thirst. Honestly, last week, you're going to think this is kind of cheesy. Um, but it's a true story, by the way. So <clears throat> I'm thinking about today, this morning, last Sunday afternoon, and doing some reading and some studying on you know, the whole topic of Jesus being bread of life. And honestly, I had said to Jen, let's, let's go in and make bread. So we were actually baking bread. And I, I, and I didn't even tie the two together. I, I started chuckling and, and said, you know what, we are baking bread. And I'm kind of reading about bread and the bread of life here. How weird, how weird is that? Here's what happened. So the bread comes out of the oven. What do you do when hot bread comes out of the oven? Of course, you get a knife. Right? And you get butter. Yes? And you, you eat it. And that's, that's what we, or at least that's what I did, you know. <laughs> ate, ate my fill. The bread of life. What do you consume? I want to give you three quick lessons here as we wrap up. On, that I think come out, out of this. And you, you write them down. Grab your phone. Put them in your phone. Because I think they're really good lessons. Here it is. Number one, it's easy to focus on the temporal over the eternal. It's so easy to fall into this trap of what temporarily um, satisfies me over the eternal. So most of you had breakfast or, you know, it's 1130 almost. So most of you had breakfast or something, right? So like what you ate is running out. But I bet some of us, like we've had that meal where we go, um, like I am never going to eat another meal again in my life. Right? You've said that. I've said, I'm like, I'm never going to eat baked bread again. I am so full. But it wears out. It wears off. And pretty soon you're hungry again. Well, lesson number one is like it's easy to focus on the temporal over the eternal in life. Those things that life um, offers you over what is eternal, what Jesus says. That's why he says, I am the bread of life. And you, you partake me, you'll never go hungry again. And you'll never thirst again. So the question is, what is it that we're focusing in on? Things others say that you need in life? Or are we living this life content because we have found true life in Jesus? Number two, here it is. Um, or let me, true bread from heaven sent by God is Jesus. So remember that, right? We know that. True bread sent from heaven by God is Jesus. Number two. It's possible, possible to be full but not satisfied. Well, like, what, what do you mean? Okay, well, here's what I mean. Have you ever eaten something um, and at the, at, when you're done, you go like, blah. Like, you ate the whole gallon of ice cream, right, on your own, right? You did that. And you feel full, but, like, you feel sick at the same time, you know? Movie popcorn. You ate the whole thing. But you didn't feel satisfied at the end. You're full, but you didn't feel satisfied because there's a lot of cheap meals out there, right? And they don't offer satisfaction. You're, you're, you're full. So we can settle for a cheap substitute that can momentarily fill our stomachs but not provide us true and lasting satisfaction. And that's what some of these things can do. So Jesus calls us away from those things um, that might fill us up, but it's not really satisfaction. Satisfaction is only found in a life with Jesus. Manna was good and it was useful in the Old Testament, 
but it was gone. Jesus, the bread of life, is God's full provision for people in their whole existence. Chapter 6, verse 33 of John, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Third lesson is this, Jesus is the only source for our salvation and satisfaction. If you're looking anywhere else, you will never find life and satisfaction. Never. Jesus is our only source. So final questions and then we're going to pray. Number one is this. Do you know him today, the bread of life? Remember, we got to ask the question, how would this change me? For some of you, maybe you are online for the very first time. You just like happened online a gateway. And like you never committed your life to Jesus. Do you know him as the bread of life? Or in person, maybe you're sitting here and you've never committed your life to him. Number two, do you find yourself seeking fulfillment outside of Jesus? There's a lot of things that are trying to pull you away from satisfaction and Jesus, stuff in life. And maybe even right now in this moment, like the Holy Spirit, who is in you, is speaking to you right now. Like, you got to like pull away from that. Because you're seeking satisfaction in something that is not going to last. You need to come back and focus on Jesus. And then thirdly, has your life changed as a result? Do you live contented? Do you live satisfied in him? You know what? How many have been tempted, right? How many have, how many have ever sensed his draw away to stuff? It, like, we're all going to probably raise our hand, right? I, I'm there. So the questions come to me is like, am I, am I contented in what Jesus offers? So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray for those of you who maybe this morning you've never given your life to Jesus. You never, ha never have. Um, you're going to have the chance to do that. I've said it this way before. There are no magic words. Like in a certain order. And if you don't get the order right, you know, like it doesn't work. That's, that's, that's not it. Like it's just an open heart that says, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. Take over my life. I've been being pulled by this, all this other stuff. And I want to experience true life in you. So... You, you commit your life to Jesus. I'm going to pray that prayer. Now I'm going to pray for, the, for many of us who maybe feel this tug away from complete satisfaction in Jesus. So maybe it looks like this. You're just not living contented, right, right now. You're just not being content in wh where you are. I believe that God gives us ideas and passion for things. It's where do you find your life? Where do you find your contentment? And maybe... You kind of found yourself kind of scooting this way a little bit. So I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just going to ask again, like, the Holy Spirit would just speak to you in this moment. The person of the Holy Spirit would just speak to you. So, Father, speak to us right now, I pray. For some of us, maybe for the very first time, we're going like, I just want to experience life. And Jesus, in this moment... We're just opening up our heart and we're giving our life to you. I'm asking you to forgive and to cleanse and make us brand new people as we commit our life to you. I thank you for your word that says if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just and you forgive us. So we confess our need for you right now. And thank you for that. A, a lot of us, we've committed our, our life to you, but we're... We're in this tug of life. And um, maybe we're full, but we just haven't found satisfaction or 
maybe, maybe we just keep feeling this tug toward temporal things. What, God, we just give that to you. May we find ourselves contented, living a life of contentment in you. The only one who satisfies. And I pray when we leave this place today and we head off to our business, I pray, God, you just bless each and every one. As we walk out of this place and walk out of our homes and we go about our life this week, Jesus, we have this joy in our heart because of what you have done. We've experienced life, eternal life, I pray in Jesus' name. And if you're online this morning and you, you prayed that prayer in any form or fashion, maybe you found yourself drifting away, um, would you just hit that button that says, I prayed today? And we want to connect you with someone who will pray with you and walk with you. Like I said earlier, we be, b- believe in doing this journey together. We are never designed to do it alone. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we?